Good morning and welcome back to Valley Lights Church. If you've been here before, if you've never been here, I'd love to say hello and meet you after our service. Um, I'm the lead pastor here at Valley Lights, and uh, right now we're in the middle of the summer. If you didn't know that already, it's, you know, you can feel it as soon as you walk outside. And by the way, I'm going to Texas at the end of this week, and I think the temperatures are like 10 degrees higher every day there than here, so... It does get hotter than Santa Clarita, in case you were wondering. Uh, but this summer, you might go on vacation somewhere. Maybe you've already been on a vacation to perhaps a fancy hotel or a, a, a trendy little Airbnb somewhere. There are some places that you can vacation that excel in little touches to make this stay special. I don't know if you've ever been to a Doubletree Hotel. They're famous when you walk in. Anybody know what you get there? Cookies, yes. This, they, they have a drawer of warm cookies. As soon as you check in, you get that. That's, that's pretty exciting. I mean, it might be worth booking just for that. <laughs> or, uh, you know, cruise ships. I don't know if you've been on a cruise. I went on one, and every time I go back to the room, our towel would be folded into some sort of like origami animal towel style. And that, you know, you just get excited. That's like, oh, somebody friendly was in my room. <laughs> um, you know, you've got some places that do a mint on the pillow. There's all kinds of ways that good hospitality makes you feel excited or there's, there's a fun, memorable way of staying. And so you describe things like that as hospitality. And here's a picture of something that you'll see on a Google search if you search for the word hospitality. Probably somebody in a suit or a server at a restaurant or maybe a clerk at a counter with a big smile on their face that's checking you in. Uh, we all like to go to places that have really good hospitality. And the corporate world knows all about this. You know, they, the, some of the best hotel chains out there know that this is a key to customer loyalty. If you can, if you can do service with a smile, boy, that makes a big difference. Good hospitality can be leveraged to grow a business and create some rising profits. So today, I want to look at the idea of being hospitable but not from a corporate sense like this, not, not with all of the, the big fancy hotel chains, but on a much more personal level. We'll look at this idea of hospitality. And we're in this message series called Sharing Our Very Lives. It's a very high priority to God that we learn how to develop deep, meaningful relationships with people. And good relationships often require a certain amount of sacrifice you know, if you're going to relate to somebody closely, you've got to share words and conversation. You've got to share, sometimes you share your home, um, and often we share our very selves. So it's my hope that when people come to Valley Lights Church for the first time, that they eventually experience genuine love in this community. And if we're going to do relationships God's way, we've got to open up our hearts to people. So even before Doubletree Hotel and the Marriott and all these places were ever thought of, did you know that hospitality was a biblical idea? There is really something special that happens in the human connection when people experience genuine acts of love and service from one another. One of the places we see this idea of hospitality come up in the Bible is in 1 Peter 4, uh, verse 9. It says, Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Now, there's some fascinating things packed into these short seven words. But before I go any further, I, I want to make sure we're on the same page about 
what, what even is hospitality? I mean, I, I gave some ideas of corporate hospitality, but maybe on a more personal level, what, what, is, what is it that we're even talking? What does the Bible have in mind? I'll, I'll share one of the best experiences of, of hospitality that I had recently. This summer, we went to a place to stay for a week. We did a vacation up in Salinas, which is in the Monterey Bay area. And there's an older couple that have, they run a farm, actually uh, run a, a big agricultural business, but on their property they have their house and then a bunch of other farmhouses that they rent out to pastors and missionaries um, as, as a kind of ministry to bring um, refreshment to people in ministry. And so I've got a picture of Mr. Bunn, Mr. and Mrs. Bunn run this farm, but this is my family with Mr. Bunn. And they've been doing this for decades. Um, they've, they've grown in, in age, but they're still going. They're still hosting. This is a picture of us on, um, he's actually showing us around his agricultural farm. Um, but what they did was they opened up their homes to strangers. So before we met them, we were complete strangers. <laughs> and they welcomed us in. Um, Mrs. Bunn even did our laundry for us <laughs> during the middle of the week. And uh, she baked some, some little treats and put those on the, on the plate for us when we walked in. They have... They've set out a bunch of chairs and, and a hammock in their yard. And so you can see a photo of, of us just enjoying the, the grassy, you know, shady tree area with, um, I, I talked about Adirondack chairs in my, my last sermon. And so here they are again, Adirondack chairs, the way of just relaxing, talking, hanging out. And so they set all these things up for people to enjoy their property. Now get this, they have... Um, it's just about 30 minutes to get to the Monterey Bay Aquarium from their house. And so every year they pay for passes and for guest passes so that anybody that comes to visit, they'll give the guest passes to you so that we could go to the aquarium. But there's six of us in our family. So they went to their, their little church family and they asked their, their church members if anyone else has guest passes so that they got six guest passes so we could all go to the aquarium for free. And I'm like, this is really, really good hospitality. <laughs> And what happened, after all that, after we experienced all this delight and them just serving, really, we're strangers and opening up their homes and their lives, um, beyond all the, all the pleasantries, what we really got to enjoy was some conversations with Mr. and Mrs. Bunn out on their patio. I feel like we were able to connect at a heart level with them, um, learn about their past and their church and their, what God's been doing in their life. And it really felt like we became a part of the family in a very for, short amount of time. Of, because of the hospitality. And not only that, there were some other guests on the property as well that were staying there and, and, enjoying, the, and enjoying the home. And so we got to interact and talk with the other guests as well. So the hospitality of Mr. and Mrs. Bunn opened up a lot of interacting with other people, like other relationships began to grow as well. So I, I experienced this and I'm like, this is amazing. This, is, this feels like a blast from the past. I think really that this, this honors God and the experience that we had, it had the impact of increasing my gratitude to God and really praising Him for motivating people to open up their hearts, open up their lives like this. Because they definitely were not doing it for the money. It cost us pennies to go there, practically nothing. And so for decades, this couple has been hosting people well, and instead of earning anything, I'm sure it actually costs them probably a lot of money to, to, to provide this. And I, I was thinking, why? Why? Would somebody do this? Why? <laughs> I mean, I get Airbnb and I get, you know, putting your property out there to get some income, but why would somebody do this? The only answers I could come up with was first, to please God. They probably, they sensed the calling from God to do this. And then secondly, they really love people. 
There's only two explanations I could give. And it's a genuine couple, and I really think they were doing a great job obeying 1 Peter 4 9, the command to be hospitable. If you look at that word in the Greek, when it was written in the Bible, the, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. The word hospitable comes from the Greek word philozenos. And that's a compound word. There's philo or phileo, which means love or like brotherly love and affection. And xenos means stranger. So the word hospitality actually means love or affection for strangers. This is really interesting. This is what, if somebody in, in the New Testament times would hear this word, this is what would come to mind. Love or affection for strangers. Welcoming others into your home. I looked at my old American dictionary, a really good dictionary we have from years ago, before all the meanings of words started getting monkeyed with. And hospitality, um, it, it, the definition I found was the practice of receiving and entertaining strangers or guests without reward. No reward for this. So if you think about, my goal, my goal right now is just to get us on the same page about what hospitality even means. It's to bring people into our homes. It could be bringing people into our meal tables. You know, if you have somebody over for a meal, that could be planned, or it might be spontaneous. You know, you, don't, you didn't see it coming, and maybe you got to throw more food on the table, or you got to make what you have stretch all of a sudden. You just throw some more in, on the stove in the pot. Um, hospitality is bringing people into our homes. I mean, where, where are these people, where are they going to sleep? I don't know where to put them. I would have an extra, or we have enough bedding. These questions go through our mind. It's, it's bringing people into our schedules. Maybe for me to host somebody, I've got to stay up later, be willing to just stay up and chat and hang out. Or maybe if I'm hosting somebody, it means I need to get up earlier to get my work done because we spent this time. Man, what else, what else might people need? What other things might we do for somebody when we're hosting? They, maybe somebody needs time to talk or some encouragement, chatting on the couch, or a sense of, of being welcomed and accepted and, and valued. Sometimes hospitality is just giving people a place to play. And, and have fun and enjoy life together. Maybe somebody needs to borrow a car or they have house damage and they need a place to crash. There are so many ways that we can move aside our typical schedules and, and shove aside our typical routines to make space for people. This is sharing our very lives and it is very inconvenient. <laughs> Most of the time, unless you've got it planned out real tight, Hospitality can be really inconvenient. It also can be risky because if we, if we are talking about strangers, what, what, what do you think about just letting people into your house that you don't know? I mean, the Buns, the Bun family, they didn't know us. They just knew that there was two people with four kids and who, who, knew, who knew what damage was going to happen to the property when we got through? Um, or, you know, this word stranger, though, it could, it could simply mean anyone outside of your immediate household. Um, biblically speaking, this, this word xenos, it could be anyone who's just not a regular person living there, they could be considered a stranger. And so there's a range of meaning, and, and really the big question when, you're, when we think about this is, are we willing to risk opening our homes to others? At church, this goes beyond just a home, but even at church, we, we really, sometimes we need people to host groups at their houses. We rent this place, and so we don't have a church office or a building, and so sometimes we have events at homes. Um, even, even when there was a brief period when we did have a building for about a year over on Seiko Canyon, and even when we had that, sometimes we would still just end up using someone's house 
for events and gatherings because there's just something different about being in someone's home than being in like a, a, a sterile room with like fluorescent lights on. There's, there's something really enjoyable. Um, sometimes our events at church require hosting 30 people. Could you pack 30 people in and then maybe another 10 to 15 kids beyond that? You know, sometimes it doesn't matter how much space you, you just figure it out. You just open the door and you let them in. We have a, doc, a document whenever we have group leaders hosting groups for a church. And we're going to start a brand new round of life groups in September. Um, we give the group leaders a document called Hosting for Success. And so it's just a bulleted list of here's all the things you can do to make your home um, inviting and warm and appealing, to put people at ease, the practical things like temperature or music in the background or a candle. or There's all kinds of things that we can do to really intentionally think about that. One of the things on that list is a statement, people are more important than things. People are more important than things. Because the tendency is we let people in, like, well, what if they knock over the vase? Or what if they spill coffee on the carpet? Or what if they wear the shoes into the house? Or what? We have all these things. Well, what we say is people are more important than the vase and the carpet and the shoes and all this stuff. Maybe our stuff gets broken or dirty or damaged. We'll figure that out. Or we can at least set things up in a way where we can prioritize and elevate the value of the people over the stuff. But if for some reason you're, you're listening to this and you're thinking about hospitality and you're like, well, there's no way I can host in my home. I can't invite people in for whatever reason. You still can cultivate an attitude of hospitality. Even if, and now to even say, you know, meet me, you're a home that can't host anybody, I'd say probably you still can. But even if you can't, you can develop an affection for strangers. This is the command here. Practice hospitality. Practice love and affection for strangers, people you don't know. We love the people we know. We love the people we love. But what about the people you haven't, don't really know that well yet? We can carry an attitude of hospitality even into church on Sunday. You come in through these doors, and so maybe you're a regular. Maybe you've been here. I don't know how many times do you have to come in order to be considered a regular. I mean, first-time guest. There's maybe second-time guest third time guest, but after three times, you're probably a regular, right? Or like you're, you're on your way. If you're, if you're at that point, then you can start coming in and be like, oh, no, this is, this is my group. This is my people. I recognize people. And then, they're, oh, there's somebody I don't know. Well, we can come to church thinking about the strangers that God might bring. And we do that by one way is to park far away. We'll leave that front row for, this, for the guests. Or we'll sit really close where nobody wants to sit in the front. And I'll leave the, the really good seats for this, the guests in the back. Or the connection cards that we do every Sunday is a way for us to do that together to make um, the interacting with the cards more successful. The coffee and the snacks and the donuts, all that, the mug gifts, all of this is really designed for us to uh, really demonstrate our love for the people that God brings to our church. And we have a hospitality team. And so there's a team that sets up a lot of that stuff. And if you don't have a place currently where you're serving at Valley of Lights, that's the team we, we could use some more help on um, this summer. And so you could write that down on your card as well. But as we think about this, you know, you think about who, who are, if you're a regular, let this question bubble to your mind. How can we demonstrate genuine affection for the guests, the strangers that God brings to our church? So look at this verse again, 1 Peter 4, 9. It says, be hospitable to one another without complaining. Now, I think there's a few things that are really striking about this. Um, first, being hospitable is a command. Be hospitable. So anyone who is a genuine Christ follower, if, you, if Jesus is your Lord, 
That means you're commanded to practice hospitality. And any time the Bible says to do something and then we say, eh, I'm not really going to do that. Do uh, you know what that is called? <laughs> that would be called disobedience and sin. So, wow, this is, okay, this is a, apparently God takes this seriously. He has commanded us to be hospitable. Okay, and the other thing about this, it says, be hospitable to one another. Now, that phrase, one another, it's a reference to our community of faith, to other brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, certainly, we are to love everyone. Jesus even told us to love our enemies. So our, our love, there's actually no limit on our love, but especially, especially, we, are, we ought to have affection for each other, the family of God. And then it says, be hospitable to one another without complaining. Now, why would God need to say this specifically, do you think? Why would he need to say, don't complain about this? I think it's because we grumble and we complain. We, the truth is, let's just get honest for a second, we're selfish. And we don't really like to be inconvenienced. You know, I, li I like serving people when it's on schedule, it's on time, and I planned it out. But man, the inconvenience, we don't like that. We feel put out by people sometimes about having to host them. And we feel threatened by strangers. So sometimes we grumble. Not, maybe not when the guests are there, but maybe as we're preparing for the guests, we have these grumbling complaints in our minds. Or, or maybe after we're cleaning up the house afterward, we grumble. Or they're like, man, this was, a lot, this, was, this was a lot of extra work. Like, look at the mess. Nobody stayed to clean up. This is, we, we have this thought. Or maybe, maybe we complain about a particular mess that was made. Or, or maybe we're more tired at work the next day because now we were hosting. Or I had to rearrange my schedule for the weekend. Now I'm more tired because I hosted people. And we can grumble about any of these things. Or may maybe, maybe you like the hosting, but you only like hosting certain kinds of people. And you're like, oh, not them. Ah, jeez. So I think the kind of hospitality that God has in mind, it really is a kind of suffering. If you think about it, loving people in such practical ways is costly. Now, certainly, a lot of you probably like being hospitable, but... There are ways that we suffer because we have to give up some of our time. We have to give up our energy, really put ourselves out there. We got to get, you know, money and stuff and food or resources. We, some of our resources get gobbled up when we do this. And so being hospitable requires that we take on a certain level of suffering for the benefit of others. And if you look at the rest of 1 Peter, where this, where this statement comes from, this whole letter really is about suffering and enduring it. In fact, Peter also says, for, this, for to this you have been called. And he's referring to suffering that we've been called to. We'll, we'll skip to the next verse here. You, can, you might have it on your handout as well. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. Jesus was the ultimate hospitable person. He had the ultimate affection for strangers. He came to welcome us. Jesus invited people into his life. He came to people he, you know, that didn't know him, and he didn't know them, and he invited them in. He, he, when he called the disciples, he just he said, no, follow me, be a part of my life. He opened up his heart. And still, he invites us into his family. While we are complete strangers, we can get welcomed into the family of God. 
And we do that. That happens when we put our faith in Jesus. And if we become Christ followers, become genuine Christians, then we're going to live in his house. We're going to eat meals at his table. We don't deserve any of that, but he welcomes us. So when, when we love strangers, when we practice hospitality, when we increase that, it makes us a little more like Jesus. And I think he loves to see this happening. Our acts of love and hospitality are taken personally by our Savior. I would say, whether or not you're hospitable, or to the degree that you practice it, God notices. He keeps track. And we see this in Matthew 25. There's, it, it's startling how seriously God takes this area. I mean, you probably didn't come to church thinking, like, you're going to hear a message about hospitality. It's kind of like, have you ever heard a sermon on hospitality before? I don't know before this. And um, I'm going I'm to read something to you that's going to really probably surprise you at how seriously God takes this. Um, let me read this. This is Matthew 25. It's just, uh, it's not on the screen anywhere, but listen from Matthew 25, verses, uh, starting in verse 31. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Here's a picture of the end, when Jesus comes back. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from the other, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So he's getting ready to bring his people into the everlasting kingdom. And listen to the reason. He says, For I was hungry... I think this one's on the screen. There we go. Thanks. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. So that's that word xenos. It's the same word we've been talking about in hospitality. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when? What? They said, when did this happen? When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and we gave you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, truly I tell you. Oh, I lost my place here. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Jesus is saying, he's taking this very personally. We may think we're just serving a, an old pal from church or somebody we don't know or a new person or somebody that nobody else really even notices. Somebody that no one else would want to invite into their house. And Jesus says, you're, did they, you're doing that for me. I'll, re, I'll read on here. It says, then he will, he will also say to those on the left, he says, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't take me in. I was naked, and you didn't clothe me. I was sick in prison, and you didn't take care of me. And then those who will not in in inherit everlasting life, they, they too will answer, Lord, yeah, but when? When? When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger without clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer them, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away into the eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, if you think about the implications 
of that passage, it can send chills down your back. Be like, man. This is why I say our acts of love and hospitality are taken personally by our Savior. God's noticing. And I think that passage gives us a startling realization of how personally God takes it. Our, our generosity, our kindness, our love for people. It's really a big deal. And so here's a, here's a recommendation I have for you in light of that. Here's, here's it. Push out the limits of your hospitality. Meaning, like, become more hospitable. I, I mean, are you would, you, would you consider yourself a hospitable person? Do you, maybe you enjoy hosting. There's a lot of people that do, really enjoy that. Um, if, you're, if you're married, for those of you that are married, probably one of you is the more hospitable person, is, is my guess. <laughs> maybe there's one that really loves having people over. And uh, in our family, my wife, she loves to have people over. She loves hosting. And, um, you know, she's been known to stay up on the couch with a, a mug of hot tea through all hours of the night, just chatting it away, just, and just soaking up time with people. And uh, she has spent some of our hard-earned money on things that only, the only purpose is for hosting. Um, just blessing people that stay with us. For example, we've got, um, in our, we don't have a lot of rooms, and so she's thinking, how can we creatively have people stay at our house? We have two beds for our girls, and so she bought this mattress connector that we can slide the beds together to make a big uh, mattress, like a king size, for any guests that stay, and we just push all the kids into the same room and uh, make space for that. And that's, that's something that takes um, storage space and costs money. There's other things that she loves keeping around, like high chairs or baby toys, if somebody comes over with little kids, um, even though we don't have babies anymore. And, you know, I've got these objections in my mind, like, no, we're going to have to store all that stuff. And it costs money, and it takes work to set it up and tear it down. She's like, yeah, and, and? <laughs> like, we're going we're gonna to take care of people. So no matter where you are or who you are, even if you really do like to host and you like to be hospitable, you probably have some limits somewhere. There's probably a point at which you would start to complain or maybe find some objections. Maybe it's a certain time limit. You're like, I'll, I'll be hospitable up to a certain amount of time or a certain length of time or to a certain time of the hour at night, and then after that, we're done. Um, or maybe your limits, you'll only host certain people. And then there's certain people that are on the no-host list. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe there's a, or maybe it's just they're too much of a stranger. It's too, I don't know them. It's too risky just to invite somebody into our house that we don't know. Or the cost is too much to pay. Or if we have them over, something might break. Or they might inconvenience us in some way. So wherever it is, find your limits. And then push those out a bit. Where does being hospitable become just unreasonable? to you. Push out those limits. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, we see uh, it says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What we see from this verse, which certainly is um, the flavor of this is related to giving money, but there's a lot of other ways we can be giving towards people beyond just money. And I, I think it, it shows us that God doesn't just want an external show where like, okay, I'll do it doesn't matter how I feel about it. I'm going to be grumpy on the inside. I'm not going to grump out loud. I'll just be grumpy on the inside. No, like he's saying he loves a cheerful heart. He wants to see us have love that is earnest, that it's real, that our hearts delight to bless others. There was a really beautiful Airbnb rental that we stayed in a couple of years ago with our family, and it was a house with a pool 
And so we were out enjoying this beautiful place, and the kids, our kids were climbing on the edge of the pool. We had like a little um, a water fountain feature. And um, while we were out there playing, the, the owner came out from the main house, and he walked, he walked over and told our kids to stop that. You gotta, you, you gotta go in. And then after he did that, he, went, he just went back inside. I was like, whoa. I was like, first of all, I didn't know we were being watched that closely. <laughs> and then I thought, man, this, this beautiful vacation home with a great view suddenly just got less welcoming. I don't feel as welcome here. And I made me realize you can have the nicest accommodations, you can have the softest pillows, the best food, but the attitude of the host makes all the difference on the atmosphere. I mean, even, even if you've got a tiny home with very few things to offer, maybe your home's messy, okay? Is anybody home, does anybody have a messy home? Even if it's messy, man, it can become a delightful place when the host is a cheerful giver, when there's genuine affection flowing. It makes all the difference. So let this encourage you. If, if you feel like, I don't, have enough, I don't have enough space or money to host people well, I don't have the nice stuff, I don't have the nice kitchen countertops, you know, our previous home before we were here in Santa Clarita, it was really small. It was tiny. And, you know, at different times, I had a lot of objections about us being able to host people. Like, we just had, like, a, a wall AC unit that really didn't adequately cool the house. You know, the floor was old, and we get splinters sometimes. And just the sheer space of it was so tiny. And I, I had complained to a, a pastor friend once that, that we couldn't host people very well until we moved and got, you know, a bigger place. And he said, why? Why do you have to wait? He's like, sometimes when, when we had a small house, we just let people, we let people sleep on the couch or on the floor or under the table. I mean, it doesn't really matter. You can get creative. He said, we got creative. And I realized, and Aaron was really good at this, that we, we could find creative ways to, to make beds or put people up or just let people share in what we're doing. And one of the other things about this is some of the rewards for being hospitable come later. Sometimes we put ourselves out there and we go through all the trouble, and there may be no reward. Luke 14, Jesus tells us this. He says, when you host a banquet, invite those who are poor, maimed, lame, or blind. This is the lower echelon of people, the people that nobody really wants to spend time with. You're like, you're walking, and these are people that just, you don't even notice. He says, invite those people, and you'll be blessed because they can't repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Saying we may, we may serve people who give us absolutely nothing in return. We host people and then they leave, and the only thing that they leave is a mess. This is, this is one of the big differences between us and the corporate world. Companies in the hospitality industry, they have a buck to make. And I, I'm not knocking hotels and Airbnbs and all that, be, saying that it's fake. There, there's a lot of genuine people in, in the hospitality industry that really do care for people. But usually, it's still for a profit, though. We Christians are the only weirdos that expend ourselves, even if we get nothing in return. <laughs> God wants to know, are we going to love people well, even if there's nothing in it for us right now? It's almost, with a, with a verse like this, it's like God is saying, if you trust me, and you do what's right, I will take care of you in the end. When we have no immediate payback, it's, it has a way of purifying our motives. Like we go in, like, I'm going to get nothing out of this. Well, are you still going to do it? And then our motives get purified. Hebrews 13, 2 talks about hospitality as well. It says, 
don't neglect to show hospitality. For by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Maybe some of the strangers are angels. That's an interesting thought. I don't know exactly what that looks like or how would you know if the person that you're hosting is an angel. I think, what, I think what's being said here, though, is there's going to be blessings that we can't see right now. The reward will probably come later. Actually, it will. According to what Jesus says, our reward will come later. Like Jesus said in Matthew 25, he says, you're not doing it just for them, you're doing it for me. So we are what you'd call a pilgrim people. We're journeying through this life. If you're a Christ follower, this is not your home. The goal really is not for us to maximize our earthly comforts here right now, to make sure things are cushy and padded and nice and comfortable and safe. That's really not anywhere near our goal. We are the people that are willing to be inconvenienced. And there's one more big benefit. This will wrap us up. There's one really big benefit to being hospitable, and it's that our good deeds may lead non-believers to faith in Jesus. Our hospitality gives people an encounter with God's rich love. When we love people, it stands out. Remember the verse earlier we looked at says, be hospitable without complaining. That word for complaining comes up again in Philippians chapter 2. And it says, do all things, not, not just being hospitable, but do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. There's something that makes us stand out. Because grumbling and complaining is very common. If you, if you work in any workplace, you probably know. Grumbling and complaining is common. If you have relatives, you probably know this. If you know yourself, you know that grumbling and complaining is very common. And if our acts of love and service are done without complaining, that is so unusual that we will shine like lights in a dark, grumbling world. Our good deeds can cause a light that unbelievers see. Hospitality is just one of the many good deeds that we can do. And I love this verse in Philippians because it, it gives one of my, uh, it gives some background to the vision that I have for our church. And, you know, we're called Valley Lights Church. And I had thought about the Santa Clarita Valley as um, a dark place, spiritually speaking. This city looks fantastic on the outside. And the homes and the cars and the shopping centers all look fantastic. But spiritually speaking, it's a very dark place. And there's a great need for Christ. There's a great need for light. And I want to be this. I want to be like, I don't know if you can see this image, but there's just these little specks of light in the darkness. Like it says in Philippians, that you'll shine. And I want us, for people of Valley Lights Church, to shine like lights in the dark place to help lead and direct people to Christ. And what Paul's saying in Philippians is that being grumble-free in our good deeds is a light. A lot of unbelievers do good deeds. A lot of people in the world do good deeds. What is it that makes our good deeds stand out, though? Why do, why do we shine like lights? Why, do, why can we help lead people to salvation? Well, in Matthew 5, Jesus teaches us about letting our light shine even when the people around us are insulting us and persecuting us. Our light is not just good deeds, but it's good works done with joy in the face of a lot of inconvenience and suffering. That's what stands out. 
good deeds and with joy, zero complaining, in the face of insult and hardship and suffering, the world can't imitate that. And so as you think through this message on hospitality, I thought, okay, my, my goal for today is to, you know, do, do, a, do a sermon on hospitality. First, make you care about hospitality, and then second, convince you in some way to take a step, a deeper step towards it. So one next step you might take is to confess, maybe in prayer before the Lord this, this week, confess that you've been complaining about hospitality in some way. You've been begrudging or reluctant or resistant in some way. You can confess that to the Lord. Another next step you could do is maybe you would pray and ask Jesus for an opportunity to love one of the least this week. Maybe you start out like, all right, I'm going to invite somebody over. I'm going to invite over like somebody that's really important and that's got high status and somebody that is like the most possible fun person to be around. You could do that. That'd be okay. But maybe... Maybe you should invite the least person that is not like on the last of everyone else's list and ask Jesus for an opportunity to do that. And then another next step might be to open your home to others. Maybe you do this already. Maybe this is an area you could grow in. Maybe you could do it more. And then another next step would be to open your heart to the hospitality of Jesus. And what I mean by this is Jesus has paved the way for us to have a right relationship with God. And maybe you've been on the fence, you've been trying to decide if you want to make him your Lord, your boss, and your Savior. Open up your heart to Jesus and decide to make him your Savior. Next week, as we continue this series called Sharing Our Very Lives, uh, there's going to be a guest speaker who's going to continue this, this trend. And I'm excited for him to come here. Um, it's a guy that I helped train and disciple for many years from our sending church in Riverside. Stone Arbor Church, and this guy is unknown to most of you, so you'll have a chance to practice hospitality with a new guy, a stranger. He's going to come here next week, and you can welcome him. You can demonstrate Valley Lights hospitality, which is, in my opinion, quite good. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this morning, and it's time to be together, and for your word that guides and instructs us. And um, Jesus, as, as you said, when we, when we give water or food or love or care to other people that are in need, that you receive that and you take it personally. I pray that our motives would be pure in wanting to serve and honor you and allow that to overflow into love for other people. Help us to trust you. Maybe if we're in a threatening situation or we're worried about how it's going to turn out, inviting and opening our hearts and our homes to people, I pray that we trust you to do good to us in the face of that and that you would allow many people to be led to the light of Jesus Christ through our love and hospitality. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.